Hey everyone, welcome to Coffee with your counselors, Miss Deeds and Miss Amy. A time of the day where we can have a brain break together to think about how to care for ourselves and to interact with the world around us. Hope you enjoy our time together. Okay, welcome to another episode of Coffee with your counselors, Miss Deeds and Miss Amy. And today we have a special guest with us. Can you guess who it is? Drum roll. Lisa Maselli. Hi, Lisa. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you for the invite. We love having you here with us. We're so excited. And I'm sure a lot of our guests who are joining us are going to be excited for your words of wisdom and some encouragement. <sighs> Okay. <laughs> it's a lot of pressure that I'm going to be full of wisdom at three o'clock on a whatever day this is. <laughs> You're always full of wisdom, Lisa. Well, I have to tell you, I've been selfishly hoping that I'd be invited at some point because listening to your podcast bring me joy. And I just want to be part of that joy. You know, it's just so hard. And joining a tribe and being part of something where people have so much positive energy, how could you not want to be a part of that? So thank you. I'm really excited to be with you guys. And I miss you guys. So I guess maybe first question is, um, you know, you are the director of college counseling and you uh, help a lot of our seniors and juniors. So maybe especially for the seniors, this is a crazy year and we're all thinking about our seniors as they're going through their final year at uni uh, you know fully remote so from your perspective do you have a general update on what seniors are feeling how they're doing as we're kind of nearing the end of first semester hmm. yeah so it's interesting with the college admissions process um, there are often dates and deadlines and milestones that can kind of mark where we're at in the fall so we just got through November 1 deadlines. We got through November 15th, especially that was U of I, along with other colleges. But because we have so many that apply, that was a huge deadline. The next one on my mind is um, November 30th. That's if you apply to the University of California schools. So I just sent out an email actually just this afternoon, kind of helping them with videos and ways to apply to California as a non-resident because that process can be a little more challenging. So even though I do think this process can kind of be marked by timelines and deadlines, as you guys know, right, we try to talk with students all four and a half years about this before they start applying. This is their journey. And there are some students who haven't started one application yet. And that's okay. They're not behind. It just has to do with what their needs are and what they're looking for. Students that want to do Parkland Pathways, that doesn't even start till spring. So there's so many different routes and roads that kids can take that I hope that there is no senior out there who sometimes feels like that they hear a student is doing X, Y, and Z, and then it builds their anxiety that they're behind because you're not behind if you're doing your own journey and it's dictated by your needs. So all I hope is that the seniors are reaching out to us. I know I've been trying to be proactive and keep data on who I've connected with. You guys, I just wanna thank you both because Ms. Deeds, Ms. Amy, even if I've reached out to you and said, hey, this kid's missing in action, can you help? I do feel like everybody cares so much about the students. And when we don't hear from the seniors or any student, right? We care, we get worried. The first place my mind goes is, I hope they're okay. 
So I think right now the seniors are a mix of writing essays, some are prepping for interviews, some are working on financial aid, some are writing honors applications because they might have a different varying deadline or a specialized merit program. But overall, I think there are still students still building their college list, which is absolutely fine. I've met with a senior even just this morning who said, hey, can we talk about my list? I'm gonna tweak it, delete some schools. I might add some. I'm looking for more schools with merit aid. I'm like, great, that conversation can be organic all through their last deadline. Are there any like special questions or interesting questions that COVID has brought about to our seniors this fall? Hmm. Well, I think the first, yeah, no, the first thing that comes to my mind because the test optional movement, you know, became such a hot topic when COVID like closed testing centers down or even if they're open, right? That concept of, do you even wanna walk in and wear a mask? Are you gonna be bringing potentially something home to people vulnerable in your house? So I think the first thing that comes to my mind is the testing movement, even though there were always almost a thousand colleges that were test optional prior to COVID. I think that's a huge thing. And I do think the questions that have come up, um, especially when a school that was religiously known for like, oh gosh, what test score are they looking for to get admitted? Now all of a sudden they claim they're test optional. I do think there's some skepticism out there. I think there's some sense of if that's a data point that they've relied upon and it's gone, can I really opt out? Am I going to be at a disadvantage? So I think I've spent a lot of time through emails and um, individually and through class level posts just trying to really stress test optional means test optional. And the answer if they wanna use a test score or not is do they feel that that's an accurate reflection of their ability? If their answer is no, don't overthink it, don't send it. But there are also, by the way, if you don't mind me throwing this in, there are also test blind schools where even if you love your score, they're gonna shred it because their policy is we do not wanna score this year at all. And then there are test flexible schools that say, hey, we'd like some form of data we don't care if it's an AP score, if you send us your PSAT, if you give us a subject test, but at least give us some data point so that we look at you on a national yardstick. So I think, again, um, that test optional, test flexible, test blind movement is the biggest COVID change, I think. And then the second one is the COVID essay. I mean, students always had to write essays for schools, um, personal essays, academic essays, writing about a major and so forth. But now the college um, admissions process has added in an extra COVID essay that legitimately just says in this box, you have 250 words to tell us how you've been impacted through COVID-19. And that's huge. And I think they did that because they didn't want a student to have to use their main essay, which is typically 650 words to discuss these challenges in COVID because their life shouldn't be defined just by COVID, right? Their essay and their application is often a four-year overview of how they've grown and thrived over the last four years. So that also jumps out to me as a big change during COVID is that extra essay. So while you're talking kind of about testing, what do you think the uh, future holds for, for juniors next year and maybe... Mm some of the other grades to come, do you think that they are going to eliminate that? Or since, um, you know, it's been shown to have some, you know, it's not equitable across yeah. different racial, racial groups. It's also not equitable for a lot of other reasons as well. So do you feel like they're gonna like get rid of that? 
Scott, I love that question, but it also kind of puts me on a soapbox because I do think in in our panels that we've been involved in as counselors talking with deans of admission, I do think people are not ready to state the future of testing. And I'm learning that they can't do that, not because they don't have an intrinsic idea of what they think is right or is valuable, but there are too many um, stakeholders involved in the conversations. Like I think about, um, we have a counselor who used to work at uni who now works in Tampa and the state of Florida is requiring tests. You can't apply to Florida without an exam. And when you talk with people in admissions there, they say, don't you think we would love to drop this the exam for our state? We can't. We have a statewide scholarship that requires that because of the way that it was written into the laws. So what I'm realizing is the politics involved, the extra people that have to be involved, some faculty have said, I'm sorry, some admissions people, I'm sorry, have said that even in their institutions, faculty have to be involved with deciding if they wanna drop it permanently. So I think data is gonna be kept. I think that schools who have gone test optional just this year, um, still don't have any timelines when we push them to say, when will we know anything for the class of 2022? I think they're holding their cards pretty tight and they say, we don't know. But there have been colleges who have announced that they're keeping test optional for two years, three years, permanently. So unfortunately, and you guys will laugh because you've been to enough of my talks where I always explain to families, this process often starts with answers that start with, it depends because this test optional movement is gonna be very independent on institutions. And um, I do think, however, it's kind of like uni, right? We want um, test blind, what's the term I should do? Drop test permanently, right? We don't have the SSAT anymore. Do I think uni high will ever go back to the SSAT? No, I don't. I think once you make that choice, it's impossible to go back because if you build a vibrant class, what is your rationale or data to say now you missed that data point? So let's equate that to the colleges. If they have a vibrant incoming freshman class, what's their data point to now argue they need that score back? So I think this is in very interesting. I think it's finally opening up conversations that have to happen, especially like you said, the bigger conversations around equity, access, and overall health and well-being of students. So if some of these schools have already said that we're going to do this for two years or for longer than that, where is there like a central location that students can find this information or is it just on every individual website? Yeah, so there is um, our national association that governs this entire process for, eth for ethics and integrity and is the organization that pushed to have that statement that's now test optional means test optional, which I know sounds repetitive, but in this journey of college admissions, that term optional often meant, really? Maybe if you're more eager, you'll opt into sending something. So I think that term was very vague. And the association I'm talking about is NACAC. It's the National Association for College Admissions Counseling. And while they do have a spreadsheet that is trying to at least applaud and show policies by colleges, even they will always refer you to the college's own website to make sure that you read on the website the intricacies of what their policy means. So for instance, a school might be listed on the NACAC list as test flexible, but then you go to the college's webpage and it says, we only need a data point for engineers who are applying to engineering. So there's little subtleties, or the, it might say we are a test optional school with an asterisk. And then you go to the website of the college and it says we're test optional for admissions, but not for review into our honors program. 
And then before you know it, you're like, oh, so I can get into the college, but I can't necessarily be read for honors programs without the test score. So I think it's gonna be impossible for one major portal to keep up with all the little nuances, but that is a place to start. Wow, sounds complicated. (laughs) (laughs) I'm laughing because it's, I will do these talks with families and I'll be like, okay, is everyone okay? Are we breathing? Let's take a stretch break. You know, does everyone need to grab a Diet Coke to get a little energy? It is, it's, it's overwhelming. And I understand that, um, it, again, you can feel like your head explodes as you realize there's over 3,500 colleges out there. And the reality is just like uni high, right? We can decide to be a non-AP school and not rank our students and all honors, all academic courses are honors. We can be very different than any other school in our community which makes the colleges have to dig deeper to know us. That's exactly what's happening on the higher ed side. They have the right to define who and what they wanna be and it makes families and students have to dig deeper under each college, which takes time and intentional research. I think that's also really, uh, I don't know if comforting is the right word, but you know, for students, they have flexibility, you know, they Mm -hmm. can find what is right for them. And they can go at their own pace too, like you were saying. It's not like everyone has to be at a certain place at a certain time. But yeah, there's so many different nuances and you can find your own path along the way. Right. Yeah. So what would you say, because I'm sure we have a lot of juniors listening to this podcast episode too. So do you have any advice for juniors at this point? Like what they should, what should they be focusing on? They're probably taking, you know, preparing to take their ACT and SAT and navigate COVID as well. Do you have any advice for our junior listeners? Yeah, the juniors have been on my mind more than they probably know because fall is a very um, senior focused kind of semester for me just because there is kind of timelines and deadlines that dictate their life um, that go literally all the way through May. I mean, seniors don't just stop after they finish their college reps. Then the offers come in and then the financial aid comparisons come in and then they have to make their decision, right? So this process just doesn't end after they submit. They have to cross the finish line, right? Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think about the juniors because we did this kickoff program with them in September. Um, And again, I think junior year, if I can just basically use an analogy here, I think fall semester for a junior is kind of starting the training for the marathon because it's like a two-year marathon you have to go through slow and steady, right? You just kind of have to do things in these little things, get your pace going. And I think about how you were involved with admin, right? You had a large majority of the juniors that sat for the PSAT. And that's a huge milestone in junior year that often kind of starts the formalized process that they realize I'm sitting for this exam to start getting some data points back about how I'm doing on an SAT, right? And last year as sophomores, they were able to take a practice ACT with us because we were open and they were at hotels with us. So they really do have some important data points that if they want to start thinking about their testing timeline that they can refer to. Um, And ironically, again, today, I had mentioned earlier that I had written that email to seniors about applying to California. Well, today I'll be releasing an email to them about um, the testing prep. Um, Because this weekend, the college board is declaring this Saturday SAT practice day. And they're just trying to coin something to get juniors excited to realize, hey, Khan Academy's out there you can use. The College Board has free practice exams that you can time yourself on. Why don't you try a practice test at home wearing a mask, see how it feels. So there are things that are still in the works because the class of 2022 just has to proceed 
with a test prep plan and a testing calendar plan at this time. Just because again, they don't have their college list built and they don't really know what the testing policies will look like for them. And then in addition, I hope that um, the juniors who came to college reps had some fun. I was really um, excited to see so many juniors on Zoom with me as we hosted college reps all fall semester. So I'm proud of them for being open-minded and learning about schools. And I always tell juniors, you know, you don't have to be a chatty Cathy to engage with the college at this point. You can join something and just sit and listen because as you listen to how colleges describe themselves, what their unique calendar is like, if they have this awesome major, the ability to stay for five years and add a master's degree, all of a sudden you become a better consumer of that information. You realize what excites you and um, you'll be more kind of excited to start coming up with your list of wants and priorities when it comes to college fit. So for the juniors out there, I wrote you guys an email. I'm excited to reconnect with you January 10th. And that's only like a month and a half away, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I counted, they don't, they only have 18 school days left before finals start, 18. Wow. Is that crazy? And before you know it, the juniors are gonna be in this deliberate intentional process that they're starting their own personalized journey because starting in January, I'll be working with them more closely. So I'm excited. Juniors, if you're listening, I'm thinking about you and uh, we're here to help you. So what about the underclassmen that also might be listening to the podcast? Do you have any sort of suggestions for them or can you alleviate any sort of anxiety that they might be feeling about college yeah. planning? I know in the past we've had a lot of discussions surrounding stress and you know, in normal times felt a lot of pressure um, about the college process early on. So um, do you have any words of advice for those students? You know, I really like that question because you've, you've heard me say um, over the years that really college planning starts the day you enter our building, right? And that's because so much of the college admissions evaluation process down the road is about what were they exposed to academically? I mean, they are applying to be a student in college. They are applying to show how they critically think and how they perform in classes and what the rigor level is. So when you do come to uni high, college planning starts the day you enter because you are now officially a high school student. However, one of the things that I do love about uni is our sub-freshman year. So if you come as a sub-freshman, that really is the year that colleges realize, even through ninth grade, those years are considered your transition years. So. I really do believe as a subby, you should come in, you should relax, you should make friends, you should try clubs and sports, you should get comfortable reaching out to teachers, you should connect with your subby buddy. I actually think you guys that a lot of these early college planning steps for subbies is your subby buddy program. I think it's them literally just learning to be comfortable in a new environment. And anything you do with social and emotional learning is helping them to be a better version of themselves as they grow and you know move through uni high so for subbies relax really you're in eighth grade right this is not anything right now that colleges are going to be dissecting your subby year we do hope that you kind of dip your toe into stuff take risks and try things and then i think about our freshman curriculum especially with miss diedrich and i and miss amy being involved in health class i really do feel like it's a privilege for me to have some access points to the ninth graders because we frame so much of our stuff with them 
whether it is social and emotional learning, stress management, coping skills, personality inventory, self-reflection tools, practicing gratitude, practicing mindfulness, whatever that is, that is all related to them being a best version of themselves regarding college planning. So I really think the freshmen and the sophomores together are in this kind of journey of just realizing that they have to be vulnerable, right? They have to basically somehow feel safe to remove the uni mask that often starts to get worn by ninth graders with this sense of I'm not good enough or do I have imposter syndrome syndrome for, for being admitted here or am I doing enough compared to my friend or should I be embarrassed because I don't feel motivated like my friends seem to appear? I mean, just from health class, I always feel so, is the word honored to know that if they are willing to be vulnerable with us, we kind of can see the themes that happen to ninth graders. And I think that our practice with them in that class, hopefully is giving them the tools they need to realize that, you know, college admissions is so much about them being true to themselves, being authentic, bringing their teenage voice to this process. It's not a formula. And I feel like, especially when we were face to face with them, I don't know, Christy, what do you think? I feel like when we were with them in class, I almost felt like I saw some exhales happening yeah. where they realized it's not just about keeping a perfect GPA and scoring a high test score. That is not what admissions has honestly ever really been about. So I hope that the freshmen and sophomores kind of have healthy beginnings I know I'm excited to start the sophomore parent coffee talks because I think a hallmark of college counseling at uni is parent partnership and helping parents to be healthy role models and not push test prep down their kids' throats too early. And even being just role models when it comes to exploring colleges, right? If you wanna do a virtual Zoom, just don't jump on the Ivy League, MIT, Stanford, Caltech Zooms, right? Start listening to a bunch of schools that maybe you've never even heard about before because the gems that are out there are the ones that often have some amazing merit aid, amazing programs you might be overlooking. And I do think that takes um, a family partnership for them to kind of be open-minded and explore schools together. It sounds like subby year, freshman, sophomore year, it's kind of a sweet time in life when you can enjoy your experiences and really explore the things that you're interested in and there's not pressure of any reason but just doing it and kind of being in the moment which I don't know I hope I hope people will really take that because I know that we're kind of geared towards what is you know what am I doing this for for my future and trying to build up a good college portfolio but I feel like it's such valuable years of exploring life and enjoying it while you're doing it. Mm-hmm like finding out who you are and maybe that's the blessing in disguise with COVID, right? Like it's taught us to slow down and appreciate each other and though like the people that we have closest to us and focus on activities that maybe we haven't gotten to do before. And now that school's happening, I, I know students have expressed that they don't have as much time to do those things that they were getting to explore in the spring or over the summer, but hopefully you can still make that special time for yourself so that you, you know, you have to take care of you first. Well, and if you guys have a second, I want to read this quote to you because I actually just posted it on my Twitter account because I thought that Notre Dame sent me out a um, counselor update. And this quote from their Dean of Admissions, I thought was so awesome that talked about what is holistic review, right? We always try to talk with younger students about, let's just demystify this process so you truly understand how someone might read you down the road. And listen to what Notre Dame said. 
we look at a student's academic preparation in the context of their school, their involvement in their community, what drives them to be a force for good, okay? We look for students from all backgrounds who do not settle for the status quo, who have a desire to help others and to be leaders. And I thought that was interesting, and I especially would love to tell the younger students and the juniors and seniors if you're listening, right? Leadership takes many forms. There is such a thing as being a quiet leader. It's not always about having the title and having the position. So I really hope that even younger students, um, and especially when I work with them as upperclassmen, I do think what we have to work on with students at uni is helping them to all see they have leadership potential and they are leaders in their own right and how. And if they don't see evidence of that, how do we empower them to know they can be a leader and it's not just about being elected for a role. I don't know if you guys experience this um, when you meet with kids, but I, you, I can't tell you how many times I have a senior who's got an essay prompt that's asking them to talk about how they exhibit leadership skills and they will literally say, I am not a leader. Okay, let's talk about that. Let's talk about things in your life that you're responsible for. Let's talk about if someone is counting on you. Let's talk about when you have to potentially manage money or you have to manage a project, okay? And then when you literally, you have to pull that, but they, I think it's, it's sad that they don't see themselves as natural leaders. And I do think that is something that I would love us to work on with younger students and for younger students listening to this, for them to start taking inventory of qualities and things that they do in their life that may exhibit leadership skills. Because I do think that is something that is um, a skill set that is going to serve them well in college, in a job, in how they manage their own household and their family. Again, it's not about the title, right? Mm -hmm. I think that's something that I would love us to work with younger students on is that concept of leadership and how do you develop those skills of leadership without it feeling like but I don't want to get up and run for something or my, my, my desire is not to be the president of something. We have to somehow help them reframe that. I agree because I think probably they have this idea of what leadership is or what a good leader is like. They're well-spoken or very popular and out in front of people, but really, I mean, you could be a very quiet leader as well, you know, by yes. the way that you live and the character that you have which sometimes is more impactful than the people who can say a lot of words, but don't actually, you know, follow through with who they are. So yeah, that's a really good point, Lisa. Well, I even think about even like, you know, the seniors are obviously working with teachers on letters of rec right now, right? There could be a teacher who's writing their academic letter and literally notices that, as I'm kind of talking about pre-COVID because especially when they were in class, but let's say that you have a teacher who's writing and says, I would see this student get up and go over and help other kids when they were struggling with a math problem. That's leadership, but the student themselves wouldn't even see it that way, right? Mm -hmm. So it's all those little things that I feel like um, they just have to be, again, we have to, it's, it's the same thing with volunteerism. I always try to help families, especially reframe what it means to be a volunteer and serve your community. Because I think sometimes it becomes, should we be at Carl Hospital? Should we be going to the Humane Society? Should I be doing Habitat for Humanity? As if, again, it's formulaic. And I often like to say to younger families who want to start thinking about how do we actually show this service to others, I say, what does your student light up when they do? Like, what are some joys in their life? 
The question is, if you're a volunteer, can you somehow think about how do I share those joys with other people? So this is why sometimes we'll talk with students and say, okay, you absolutely love playing your violin. Did you ever think of going over to the Carl Arbors and playing your violin at dinner time for people or sharing that joy of music with others? It doesn't always mean that you're signing up for what people think is your typical, right? I'm ringing the bell for Salvation Army. Check, I did my job. I'm not saying those aren't valuable and those aren't amazing things to dedicate time towards. But again, I feel like if I could do anything in this process, I almost need that men in black zapper that you look at and you zap memories because for some reason, everything in this journey of developing into a person becomes, what should I do and what looks more impressive, mm -hmm. right? Did I check off the box? Do I have enough hours? Did I meet the quota? Instead of it being this kind of true, genuine conversation about, okay, I see this in you. Did you ever think of maybe trying this, which would be a gift to other people? And that is service. Mm -hmm. It's those conversations that I think at uni, the joy of a small school is hopefully, and we talk about this all the time, that every student feels connected to adults deeply in our building. And that is they get to know us better and we know them. We may also be the people who bring those things out of a student because they don't even see that in themselves. Mm -hmm. That would be beautiful. So obviously it sounds like you have a lot of experience and a lot of great things to offer, but because our time is, is limited, um, let's, we just have a couple other questions for you. Wait, are you saying I talk too much? <laughs> <laughs> you definitely have a lot to say. <laughs> sorry. Wait, no, sorry, not sorry. Remember, we're not supposed to apologize for being our authentic selves. <laughs> So um, since you've been the Director of College Counseling at uni for almost 25 years, um, can you- 28. 28 years. 28. Oh man, it's more than 25 years. Um, can you share any lessons that you've learned or um, anything you really have to say about how, you, maybe how you've grown since you've been at uni or how you found leadership to inspire those young listeners that are tuning in to us today? You know, it's funny, I, I was listening to your words when you were asking me the question, and when you said, if, you know, lessons learned over the 28 years you've been doing this, I thought to myself, and again, I know I mentioned that a part of the hallmark of college counseling at uni is embracing that parent partnership, right? Because we know we want to be in partnership with them. We want them to be a part of the dialogue, even though we want students to take ownership, the reality is, you know, we want parents to also be, again, healthy role models and helping them at home. So I think what I've learned is um, parents, whatever parents say or do comes from a place of love. Parents want what's best for their children. And again, sometimes because of their context or their upbringing or their experience or lack of experience with college admissions, I think again, that I can be a source of information and strength and bring um, important things to a family dynamic um, that maybe can help them navigate this together but I do feel like I'm always in awe that, again, the sacrifices parents want to make and do all come from a place of love for their kids. But I also feel like I've learned, and I know I've maybe said this to you guys before when we were together in the SSO a lot, I've also learned over the years that not all students and families are teachable. And what I mean by that is I ugh, go deep in my own continual learning. I love to visit colleges. I love to go to as many workshops and webinars as I can. 
I love to learn about schools that I can bring back to uni students and say, hey, I know you're thinking about California, but did you ever hear of Whittier or Santa Clara or Occidental or right and kind of open their eyes to new opportunities. But I do feel like there are some families and students that, again, unless it has a prestige um, name brand or ranking, are not going to be open to exploring those possibilities. And um, I'm okay with that. I mean, I just have to realize that people bring their values to this process, but I have to be true to myself too. So I think what I've learned over the years is if I'm going to be doing the job where I can challenge stereotyped beliefs and show them some data and bring them opportunities and resources, then I feel good about my role with them. But I also feel like what I've learned a lot, and I think about the movie, um, The Admissions Office, if you guys saw that with Tina Fey, there's a scene in there where Tina Fey is playing an admissions officer and she's visiting a high school and she says, okay, everyone, do you wanna know what it takes to get into my school? If you do get out of pen and paper, right? And they all get out of pen and paper and these kids are so diligent and they're glued to her. And she says, I don't have an answer for you because there is no easy answer, right? So the reality is what you learn from doing this is it genuinely is an art and not a science. The way that they build a class is not formulaic. And if we can help students bring their authentic self to their journey and basically realize that they're worthy, right? They're worthy of college admissions. I mean, I'm constantly in awe, you guys, of uni students, their involvements, their hobbies, their helpfulness, their part-time jobs, their volunteer efforts, their kindness, their quirkiness, their empathy, their compassion. I mean, I really, really like you guys, right? We like our students, we respect them, we, we admire them. And colleges will see that they have purpose and they have amazing things to bring to a campus. So I just want everyone listening to just know that we hope that in this journey, you, again, embrace who you are, do this in a healthy way. Don't get obsessed about the college application process. Think of it as your own personal journey and um, know that your advocacy team is here for you because we're here to help. We care about you. Well, that was really inspiring and beautiful. And uh, I'm sure that a lot of people listening are encouraged. I don't know. I feel encouraged. I want to go be my best self now. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad. <laughs> well, I hope this meets the needs of your listeners. I enjoyed getting a chance to spend time with you guys. I'm still waiting for an impromptu karaoke with you, Miss Amy. <laughs> That can be our next episode. Okay. Broadway musical. Broadway musical. So as you leave Thank us today, maybe you can share with us your three words of wisdom. Like that. Like, what do you got? Oh, geez. Again, I, just say them. I feel like I would be saying vulnerability. I literally believe in that completely. I believe in having a purpose in a why statement regarding what you join and what you do so that you just don't feel like you're building a resume, but you have purpose and a why behind it. And I truly believe that every single student has leadership skills and potential to grow in those fields, that they don't have to be hard on themselves. They can embrace and redefine leadership because it comes in many different forms. Awesome. Do you know when I was watching Dancing with the Stars last night, that they said that the um, 
bachelorette Caitlin Bristow that's on there said that vulnerability fuels connection and it just made so much sense to me because me and Miss Amy just didn't a lesson on empathy and I was like the stars are aligning and people believe this out there so thanks for reinforcing that Lisa. No because if I can just end this on one thing I always tell the students right when you're vulnerable there starts to become this level of trust because you realize now I trust you because you were so safe with me and the college admissions process needs to have some vulnerability in it where even an admissions counselor starts to feel emotionally connected with the applicant. And believe it or not, that can happen on paper. But we have to help our students feel safe enough to do that deep work. So when they write about themselves, there is an emotional connection. That is so important. Amazing. Thank you. So Thank much you. <laughs> okay, you guys be well. Stay safe. Thank Miss you. you. <laughs> Thank you too. Okay, bye. Bye.